We're in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, Ephesians 6.10. We're rounding out Ephesians. We've been on it for a year, and we're towards the end. Hallelujah. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Everybody say, I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Say, I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Who's got to put it on? you got to put it on. I would suggest you never take it off. Put on the whole armor of God. And so what are these? Uh, what do we got to do? It says this, that we may be able to stand against. So we've got, the Bible says, do not be ignorant of the devil's devices. Right? So that means as a born-again believer, you can know that uh, there is a God. I think one of the tools of the devil that I'm watching him, even among the young people, I'm watching the devil convince people that there is no devil. What the, what is the, that's the biggest scheme that he can do, is convince the world that he doesn't exist, and then he can run their life, because they don't know where that's coming from. It's very interesting. Listen to me. I know that the, I know this. I know the devil is not ignorant. Have you ever said, devil, you're ignorant? And I get that you got to be some kind of ignorant if you're going to oppose God. But he's, the devil has been fooling people for a long time. And if he can fool Adam and Eve and deceive them, then he can deceive us. So that's, now listen to me. The Holy Ghost always tells me to do this. How many know the devil has currently been defeated by Jesus? So I always want to start out from there. What kind of an army are you in? You're in an occupation army. What do I mean? The battle's already been won. You're just there to put anything down that the devil pops his ugly head up. Right? Anything that steals, kills, and destroys from your life, you're there to reinforce the victory of the Lord Jesus in your life by using the name of Jesus. But if, if it's not important for us to know, then this is not, Paul, how many know it's like when you're a parent and you're going away on vacation and you're leaving your teenager at home for the first time, you're going to give them a list of rules. And even though you've already gone over the list, as you go out the door, you're going to say, and don't forget, and, you know, feed the dog, um, uh, take out the trash, um, whatever, no parties and, and all those things. You're going to say them over. So he's saying this to us, stand against the wiles of the devil. If the devil was just defeated, which he is, and there's nothing for you to do, this wouldn't be in here. So even though the devil's defeated, you got to stand against. And it's a wrong prayer to pray, Lord, do something with the devil. Jesus has already whooped the devil, having made a show of him openly. Colossians 2.15, having made a show of him openly. He, he, he defeated the devil in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, putting his blood on the mercy seat and sitting down. And we know in Ephesians chapter 1 it says that Jesus is seated far above every principality. So I don't care how big the devil is or how big the principality is, Jesus is seated above it. Above whatever ails you, whatever comes against you, whatever, because people sometimes in our charismatic, spirit filled, whatever they call us today, word of faith circles, is they get so devil conscious and you know, and it'll come around again. You got to figure out the name of every demon. No, we're, what we're doing is saying, shut up, come out, or get under my feet. You don't, you don't need to talk to the devil or talk too much about the devil. You just need to know he's defeated. You don't need to know every name of every spirit. That's a waste of time. They're all liars anyway. Just shut up, come out. That's what Jesus did. One time he talked to one. All the rest he said, shut up and come out. Don't you be talking. Oh, anyway. Listen, listen. And don't talk to me too much about it. 
what the devil's doing. What the devil's doing. What did Jesus do? He won the victory. Amen. And Ephesians 2, 6 says you were raised together with him. Amen. Right? So you're seated far above. Ever, turn to your neighbor and tell you're seated far above. Now listen, it says, stand against the wiles of the devil, verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So how many of you know that fl- there is no flesh and blood that is your enemy? No, I want a little bit more on that one. There is no flesh and blood. Your mother-in-law is not your enemy. Your coworkers are not your enemy. Your boss is not your enemy. Your neighbor who is rude to you is not your enemy. The, the guy in the car who gave you, told you you were number one is not your enemy. I love that. I love that, by the way. That's a good way to look at it. Oh, thank you. I'm number one. Um, praise the Lord. It's all motivated by spirit. Why? How do I know that? Well, because there's two families on the earth. Just two. There's just two kingdoms. So you're in the family of the Lord Jesus Christ or you're in the family of the devil. Your father is either God or your father is the devil. They're just two families. They're just two kingdoms. And I know that honks a lot of people off in this way. They think, well, we're all diverse. Uh, Okay, within the family, you can be diverse. But there's only two families. Just two. And you get a pick. And yet the opposing The people in that family are not my enemies, their father is. But the good thing is, he's defeated. I said he's defeated. But we wrestle not. So if there's some wrestling, that means there's something we got to do. Now, we wrestle from a place of of victory, but we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Our problem are these these principalities, powers, but they're again under our feet. You got to put it all together or you can get problem conscious, demon conscious, fight conscious, but see, the real fight you and I have is the fight of faith and a fight to enter into rest and stay there. So even as you look at fighting the devil, I don't like that term because we have victory over him. We're reinforcing our victory. I'm not trying to get healed. I am healed. I'm not trying to get blessed. I am blessed. Everything I need. Jesus left me his peace. I need to obtain it. I'm not fighting to get into peace. I just am trying to obtain peace. So we looked at, uh, we, we, we started looking at this one. So, uh, wherefore, take unto you whole armor, God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. When's the evil day? Anytime the devil comes. Having done all to stand, do what? Stand. So there's a whole lot of standing here. And then it says, stand therefore. Remember the apostle Paul said, none of these things move me. So all this stuff the enemy's trying to do. And I'm going to warn you again, there's a lot of people with a lot of voices out there. And a lot of them have hurts and problems. And you got to be very careful. If when you get done listening to some, even a preacher, if they make you mad and want you to fight, that is the wrong voice. It's the wrong voice to try to rile you up. It's the wrong voice. How do we win then, Pastor Mark? Spiritually. And then doing individually our part in whatever God says for us to do. So you're of the lay down, you know, you're of the I'm a lover, not a fighter bunch. I'm, I'm not that because that's a worldly term. I'm a sit in my seat and rule and reign bunch. And then obey the Holy Ghost, whatever he says do. All right, I'm just gonna... Move on. 
Everybody say, I'm standing. I'm not moving. Why? I'm not going to move off the word of God. I'm not going to move off my confession. I'm not going to move out of my seat. I've had the Lord almost for a year yell at me to sit down. What does that mean? When I get praying, I'll be sitting down. Some of it is part of the call of God on my life. Some things that I, I don't necessarily know that I want to do, but I don't really have a choice. And even in prayer sometimes, uh, have you ever, like, I don't know, for, it was funny. It was just me and Pastor Rhonda, and I cannot believe he's making me tell this, but it'll help somebody. It was like when I was praying, I was like, it was like I, I was kind of doing a hula motion over a seat. And it was like he just was yelling at me, sit down. I don't know that I did. But anyway, um, but I'm going to. I am. I am. Hallelujah. I'm seated in heavenly places. Uh, and then he said this to me. Uh, everything you need is in your seat. Everything you need is in your seat. And Jesus even said, that. well, the word of God even says about Jesus being the good shepherd and that there's a table prepared for you. Even in the presence of your enemies. Just sit down. Just sit down. Just sit down in your assigned seat. Sit down. All right, let's keep moving. Hallelujah. Stand therefore having your loins girded about with truth. We talked about that. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Obviously, I'm not going to preach very long. But we talked about righteousness and how important it is. And I left off telling you, and if I don't have time to keep on reviewing uh, because if I'm going to get to anything new, um, glory to God, I got to get to it. Hallelujah. So we left off uh, in James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, Confessing, uh, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed, that the effectual prayers of a righteous man may, avails much. The Amplified Classic says, the fervent effectual prayers of a righteous man makes tremendous power available dynamic in their workings, right? So what does that mean? What I want to talk about is this breastplate. What does the breastplate do? It protects all the vital organs. How many know if a spear or a sword goes through your heart, you're dead? If a sword or a spear goes through your lungs, you're what? Even if it goes through your stomach, you're going to die, right? What does the breastplate do? It protects the vital organs, so you see this Roman soldier, he has this breastplate on, and this breastplate is going forward into battle, but he's protected, and all the vital organs are protected. And so if a spear or a sword hits, if it happens to get through the shield of faith, and it hits on your, uh, your, your, um, your, your breastplate, so what is the Bible saying? Righteousness is your breastplate. And a lot of people in the body of Christ don't realize that they have been made righteous. Again, I'm going to remind you of this. You don't earn righteous. It, your righteousness does not grow. You, you understand that it is. Your righteousness, remember in John 16, Jesus said about uh, basically uh, the Holy Spirit's come to convict the world of sin and of righteousness, meaning their righteousness, anything you and I add to Jesus got to be careful here. I don't want to talk off my head today. But anything you add to Jesus, like food choices, to be saved, to do better, to make him more pleased with you, uh, 13 hours of prayer, anything you work to feel like you're righteous is works and is filthy rags. You cannot earn the blessing of God. You are blessed. You are righteous. He who knew no sin became sin 
so that you could become. When did you become righteous? You didn't know it, but the moment you got born again, you were made righteous and holy. And you were sanctified and you were redeemed. But it just took you a minute to understand all those things that were yours. Right? But you don't grow in righteousness. You grow in the works of righteousness, but you can't grow your righteousness. You either are or you ain't. You either, you either receive it as a free gift that it is. A lot of people misinterpret that because remember when, uh, I'm not going to get to my notes, I know. Abraham and Sarah believed God. It was accounted to him. That's an accounting term. It was credited to him for righteousness, even in the old covenant. Because he did what? He believed God. He didn't work for righteousness to get in a right position with God, for even God to bless him with a child that he could not have, him and Sarah. It was accredited to him because it was, it was put in his account because he believed God. It's always a faith thing. And so the revelation you and I need to protect our vital organs is you need a revelation of righteousness. How can I tell if you don't have one? You're condemned. You feel guilty all the time. You're never good enough. You got to do something else. You got to jump through one more hoop to please God. You got to pray one hour longer so God will love you more. All, praying is good. I, 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 we can pray for hours. But we don't do it so God is pleased with us. We do it to figure out what we're supposed to be doing. I don't fast so that he thinks I'm great. I only fast, me, I only fast when he tells me to. Because I like food too much. But you can fast other things. He's had me fast football. That was worse than food. Dear me. We don't, it's playoffs coming up, Lord. We don't want to do that right now, do we? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Um, but it, it just depends on what it is. Fasting doesn't make God think you're more righteous. Are you understand what I'm telling you? Everybody say, I'm righteous. And so that protects you from the attacks of the enemy, and they're coming. Because the devil always wants you to make you feel less than, that you have one more thing you have to do. Why? Because righteousness has a lot to do with you receiving. See, if your righteous meter is low, your faith meter will fall with it. When you think you're trying to have to do something to get something. Now, don't anybody get mad at me. How many of you know we believe in confession around here? Do I, do I teach you on confession all the time? But I don't, conf I, I'm the thousand first time that I confess and I put in enough time for God to give me something is works. When I have a confession of faith, it's because it came up out of my heart. Now you confess the word so because you got a mouth gate and an ear gate and an eye gate. And when you confess the word, when you're first getting something, it gets in your heart and you need to do that. But it's not a works program that after you say, okay, I've confessed that 1,001 times. Now let's see it. Now you may not say that out loud, but see, that doesn't work. Confession of faith comes out of your heart. Are you with me? Everybody understand that? Oh, I'm throwing you. This is a shotgun tonight since I didn't have a full 45 minutes. But the first thing you realize, so how do I know if I'm righteous? Number one, you know your prayers are working. The prayers of a righteous man do what? 
make tremendous power available. So any thoughts you might have of my prayers go to the sea. Have you ever heard this? Well, I prayed, but it was like a brass ceiling over me. That's a religious churchy term brought into the church by the devil. Because prayer is not a feeling. Prayer is a knowing. This is the confidence that I have in him. That if I ask anything according to his will, I know that he hears me. And I know if he hears me, then I know that I have the petitions I've desired of him. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Jesus said, you have, you've, hitherto you've asked me nothing, but ask that your joy may be full. Why, do, why does he want you to ask? So that your joy would be full. Why? Anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. What is that? That's the, that's the knowing of a righteous man or a righteous woman. They know that God hears them when they pray. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro to, throw, to, uh, to show his, to the, whose heart is perfect. What is that? That really is righteousness. Uh, we, we left off. I guess I did review. First Peter chapter 3, verse 12. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the, f- the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. That's New Testament. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Are you righteous? His ear is open to your prayer. In other words, you don't pray to talk God into hearing you when you pray. You know that when you pray according to the will, he heard you. What is that a proof of? I understand my righteous position. Because the devil whisper in your ears like, he didn't hear you. Or if time happens from the time you said amen, and then till you see it, the devil will get in there and say, he didn't hear you. Or you don't have enough faith. Or you can't believe for that. The devil whispering. And then you'll get other Christians, uh, people who tried to believe something. And that you, everybody that ever didn't get something will come talk to you. Healing's not for everybody. Blessing, you know, that's just a gift from God and you're not the gifted one. I mean, it's like that with tongues. With being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking other tongues. Well, that's not for everybody. It's for a certain amount of people. And you're the certain one that it's not for. What is that? That's the devil. That's demonic. You've got word on something. It's yours. And there's a confidence that come. Okay. Um, we should at least get to one more tonight, right, before we go. Uh, Romans 5, 17 through 21. For by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Everybody say the gift. Of righteousness. So righteousness is a what? It's a gift. Salvation is a gift. It came with your salvation. You are righteous. It's a gift. You're welcome. From the Lord. He didn't have to do that. Do you know he could have just said, let's go down. Father and him could have got together in the Holy Ghost and said, let's just go down and make sure they don't go to hell. How I many of you know that would have been a good gift? But we got more than that. We got all the, th- we got the whole deal. Right? What's part of the deal? Righteousness. And the, a gift of righteous shall do what? Reign in this life. This life. It's not when you get to heaven. Reign in this life right now. What is reign in this life? Every time I hear the word reign, I think of a king or a queen. So they reign or rule and reign over a kingdom. They're in charge. Never seen any poor kings. Never, never seen any kings begging. I've never seen the righteous forsaken 
or their seed. So it's not just about me when I'm the king. It affects my seed. And really, until they get up and get out on their own, they're blessed whether they like it or not. There's peace in their house whether they like it or not. But I've never, never, never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. And so in this, what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be ruling and reigning. All that it pertains to ruling and reigning. When I think of ruling and reigning, I think of a king and I think, well, if an uprising happens, he has someone to put it down. We've got someone to put it down who already won. His name is Jesus. Amen. I would say, I rule and reign, rule and reign. In, this life in this life by one Jesus Christ. Now, you can't leave that last part off. I rule and reign in life. How? By one. It's like the in hymns. I've been made the righteous of God. I've been made the righteous of God uh, 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 in Christ Jesus. You can't leave the in Christ out. I don't like it when people do that. I'm righteous. Well, how are you been made righteous? Because I'm in Christ. Right? The in him realities. Give him his due. Because he did it. In yourself, you don't know anything. In yourself, you can't have anything. In yourself, you can't be anything. Right? But you're not in you anymore. I can do all things through Christ. Through Christ. Come on. Right? I have the mind of Christ. That's, that's a position. You have to still renew your mind. Positionally, you have the mind of Christ. You can think the thoughts of God. Because you've been made righteous. Everybody say it again. Say, I'm righteous. In Christ Jesus. So what am I doing? I'm ruling and reigning. Now, I want you to think about it. When the situation comes, you're supposed to rule like a king in this life. It just the perception you're supposed to get is because you are in Christ Jesus, the king, you are to rule and reign in this life. So when a problem comes, and they will come, there's not a kingdom that I know on the earth that didn't have a problem every now and again. But what do you do? You put it under. How? By the name of Jesus. Because he won. All right, let's look at another. So what am I telling you? That, that if you have a revelation of righteousness, you'll realize your seat, you'll realize your position, and you realize you're supposed to rule in reigning. So what's the opposite of that? Someone who's always down. Someone who's always defeated. Someone who's always depressed. Someone who's under the problem, under the problem, under the problem, and likes to put everybody under the problem with them. That's a lack of righteous revelation. They're not ruling and reigning. How can I tell if I've got a rev? You are righteous. Come on, I'm talking about a Wednesday night crowd. You are righteous, but do you have a, re a real revelation? So if you, if you come up short in any of those areas, it's not like, oh, Lord, forgive me. It's, Lord, reveal to me. Show me the eyes of my understanding enlightened. Flood them with light, with revelation. Illuminate me. I don't want to perish in this area for a lack of knowledge. Help me, not, help me get it and renew my mind to it that I am supposed to rule and reign in this life by one Jesus Christ. Hebrews 5.13. Let's look at another one. Hebrews 5.13. So, hallelujah. Gail and I teach, um, Gail Miller, um, she's she been overseas with her her son and daughter-in-law, but mostly with a grandbaby, I think. And, uh, and so she'll be back. But Gail and I teach um, foundational doctrines in Bible Institute. And I think Gail mostly deals with this. But I want you to see this. That, what am I going through? I'm going through 
How do I know I have a revelation of righteousness? Because the word is really clear about it. It tells us about it. Everyone that uses milk, how many of you know the word of God is at different levels? Right? There's, it says, so one level is milk. How many, what, who, 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 who take milk only? Babies. Babies. So when are you a baby? When you get born again and then 30 years later? But listen to me, depending on the word people want to hear. It's not God determines whether you're a baby anymore. Now, the natural growth in this does not correlate as much. Because natural growth, you know, if, if there's a five-year-old, I mean, a, well, yeah, even a five-year-old, but a 15-year-old that all he drinks is milk, that's not healthy. And it's not healthy for a born-again believer either. But it's up to the born-again believer. I know some 30-year-old babies in Christ. They just never grew. What causes you to grow? The word. And is unskillful in the word of righteousness. So a revelation of, of righteousness will help you grow in the things of God and cause you to be able to do what? He's a babe. Let's keep going. But, for, but strong meat... And so there's different kinds of meat. Last night, whether you like it or not, I was eating me some ribs from R.D.'s Smokehouse. The best ribs in North Alabama, in my opinion. And so, uh, R.D.'s too. And so, um, uh, but uh, you need some teeth for them. Strong meat. So word can be milk. Um, the psalmist says it's like honey. It can be, it's called bread, right? So I see it as milk, meat, bread, or honey. Sometimes I like the honey of the word. What is that? That means that's the fun stuff to me. But you need meat. So if you're a vegetarian in the natural, don't be a vegetarian and a milk only in the spirit. You can do what you want to do there, but you can't do it here. If you're going to grow up, you got to get a revelation of your righteousness because you need to handle the meat of the word. Because it's by the meat that you become full age. What does that mean? If I'm going to grow in God, I need to understand my righteousness so I can take the word of God. Uh, when you eat meat, um, other things are going to happen too. So, and then it goes on with the foundational doctrine. So uh, next year, if you've never been through Bible Institute, because I know a number of you who aren't in right now are signing up in January. I know a number of you who are currently not in Bible Institute, you are signing up in January because you want more in 24, and it starts with the Word of God. Amen. And so then when you go back through around, you'll come to this class and then we'll teach you the six foundational doctrines of Christ and you need to know them. You know, if they're foundational, that means you ought to know them. You ought to be, as a born-again believer, you ought to be able to share all six with anybody who asks you. Amen. That was weak. I went to Bible school. I couldn't have told you what one of them was. So it's, not, it's, it's interesting that these are the six foundational doctrines which you've got to have in your heart, which are milk, before you can get to the meat. And most people in the body of Christ cannot even list the six foundational doctrines. Now, don't be looking at me like that, feeling all guilty. I'm, I, you don't have to feel guilty. I didn't know. And if you push me right now, I don't know that I could rattle off the six either. 
even though I've taught them. I think I could, but I don't want to do it because I, I, might, I might come up short. All I'm saying is we ought to know these because it's the meat. That, this is milk. The six are milk. And so we have to know that because I love it. What he says here, he, said, he talks about teaching them. And verse three says, and we, verse chapter six, one, three, and this we will do if God permits. Well, he permits. He wants us to grow up because he wants us to be able to take meat. If you are a baby and just need milk, um, you are not skillful in the word of God. And you and I need to be skillful in the word of God because listen to me, the devil is. The devil is. And he can rest scriptures better than anybody you've known. And when you listen to all the stuff that's going on, because we have the ability with the internet and uh, podcasts and uh, YouTube, and you're listening to this and listening to that, listen to me, you better know when someone's speaking to you, if it sets in here with the word of God and what it does to you. And you have to be skillful in righteousness and skillful in the word of God. So how do I know you and I, how do we know we have a revelation of righteousness? Is because we're skillful with the meat of the word of God. We're not stuck on milk. Amen. How many know milk is good? How many know you need some milk? Let me tell you what happens on Sunday morning around here whether I want it or not. I find myself giving milk, meat, bread, and honey all the time to everybody. It's like a full meal deal that I haven't even planned. Because I got somebody who just got born again last week. We had it this evening last Sunday. Second service, a couple got born again. Hallelujah, glory to God. Gloriously born again and filled with the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. And we'll have somebody sitting in church that has been walking with God more than I am alive. So I got that big spectrum. Only the Holy Ghost can teach people that. But he, he, he takes you where you're at. So if you're not ready for milk, I mean not ready for meat, then milk is good. Then we're going to mix it with some meat. And then you start feeding on that. But, but, but a revelation of righteousness will cause you to be ready for more. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's skip that one. Let's skip that one. Let's go to Hebrews 12, 11. Let's just go Amplified Classic. Can you put up Hebrews 12, 11? Do Classic for me. Put a C on the end of it. I don't know why they rewrote that. It was perfectly fine the way it was. For the time being, no discipline brings joy. How I many know that's true? But seems grievous. Does anybody love to be disciplined? You lie. Anyway, but we don't like it. But afterwards, how many know the Bible says the Lord disciplines those that he loves? Does he love you? I said, does he love you? Then what will he do? Woo, praise the Lord. You don't have to, uh, you know, people are saying God's my favorite. I'm God's favorite, but I bet that means you're the most disciplined person we know. And, and so, because listen to me, he won't, isn't it interesting to find out different people come to the body of Christ with different things going on in life and different things even in their flesh. And what he immediately dealt with you about, he never deals with them about till 10 years later. Why? That's because we're all at different places. That's why you can't take what God is disciplining you about and talking to you about and put it off on somebody else. First of all, it is none of your business. What is going on in somebody else's life? Amen. Right? There's that whole, uh, uh, you know, splinter thing versus that two before thing, you know, that Jesus talked about. Amen. Right? So what happens? But afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness that those that have been trained by it, what is it? Discipline. Discipline. 
a harvest of fruit which consists in righteousness, in conformity to God's will and purpose, thought and action, resulting in right living and right standing. So I wanted to jump to this because when you get past the milk of the word of God and you, uh, have the, and you're, you understand your righteousness and you're ready for the meat of the word of God, the meat of the word of God will do some adjusting. Now, I don't know what you all feel like about chiropractors, but I just tell you my life. I mean, I, my chiropractor is good. He's the best. And, and I like some snap, crackle, pop. You know, I believe God, and I, I believe God for his hands, and he can snap, crackle, pop me, and I like it. And I, I, so, but I, that's what I, but, but I, it reminds me of when you get on God's table, and, after the, and the word of God will adjust you. Listen to me. I don't see in the word of God where my ministry is a ministry of correction. Um, you don't have anybody in your family who's called to correct everybody. None of us like those people. Think they know everything. And always trying to fix everybody. And correct everybody. And if you say one word wrong, they're laughing and making fun of you. It's annoying. It's annoying. There's not one of you... There's not one of you that don't need some correction. But the Holy Ghost is the corrector. And what's great about the Word of God is it's teaching one person, it's correcting another. And all the time, if you know, if you're getting corrected a lot, you just smile and go, hallelujah, amen, pop the clutch. Don't look like you're in pain. Just enjoy it and receive and nobody knows. Then when you get home, then you fall across the bed but here you go, oh, that's right. Glory to God. That's so good. And smile. Praise the Lord. I just told you my trick. Hallelujah. But afterward, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness. So when, when the word comes and it's meat, because you believe and, and understand your righteousness, then God can give you meat. So really the, the maturity level, the stages of growth, Maturing as a believer has more to do with you than God. Amen. And it has to do with your revelation of righteousness. So why don't we hear more about it? That's a really good question. So let's fix it. Again, in Bible Institute, Raquel will teach you seven hours on righteousness. And it's really, really good. Um, and I, I can't cover everything all the time. But I am going to tell you tonight, once again, listen to me. A revelation of righteousness is so important to you. And, it, and if you want to get to the fruit of righteousness, you have to understand your righteousness first. People are always wanting to do works. The fruit of righteousness, what is the fruit of righteousness? It's um, conformity to God's will. I like it the way it says here. Conformity to God's will and purpose, thought, action. So if you're righteous, you should have actions to match your righteousness. But people want the actions first and then to be righteous. But you've got to understand you're righteous first and the actions follow. Are you with me? Amen. So, Lord, give us a revelation of our righteousness in you. And then the word will adjust me. The word will correct me. And again, when it comes to correction, just let every one of you know, there's no one in the room. There's no ministry gift called the minister of corrections. You won't be real popular. And it's not anointed. It's annoying. Even among spouses. 
You ought to be able to bring up things and talk about things. But if you're constantly correcting all the time. Now, you say, well, I shouldn't correct my children. Oh, you should definitely correct your children. But you should do it in a way that produces fruits of righteousness. And don't ever use the Bible as punishment. Read a chapter. Give me a report. Because you didn't clean your room. Don't ever do that. Why not? They need to learn the word. Yeah, but you're teaching them that God is punishment. You can agree with me or not, but I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Wow, we're just having lots of fun tonight. It's good. Um, let's do this. I'm going to take an extra minute or two. Galatians, no, Romans 6, 16 through 23. Romans 6, 16 through 23. Can you handle just five more minutes? Your children are fine. Hallelujah. They're out of school now. Aren't they out of school? Sure. Know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. So it's comparing and contrasting you and I, what we obey, if we obey the, the works of our flesh, the sin, it leads to death. But if we obey the word, it leads to righteousness. Okay? 17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. You were. So none of this, I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You were a servant of sin. You were saved by God's amazing grace. But today you're a saint. Today you're, June, talk to me after church. But you have obeyed from the heart that formed uh, of doctrine which was delivered to you. Verse 18. Being then made free from sin. Everybody say, I'm free from sin. You're not in trouble. You became the servants of righteousness. Say, I'm free from sin, and now I'm a servant of righteousness. Verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, as you have but yielded your members' servants to uncleanliness and to the iniquity unto iniquity. Even so now, yield your members. So the members, it's talking about your flesh. So what you yield your hands to, what you yield your mind to, what you yield your feet to, where these feet carry you. What these eyes see, what these ears hear, you and I have control over those things, not God. We have control over these things, not God. Yeah, but he lives in me. He's controlling me. Only if you let him. And you have member, you know, Paul even said, talk about his flesh. He said, we got, I got to crucify this thing. Come on, even the man who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he had trouble with his flesh. He said, my spirit wants to do it, but my flesh is weak. Even Jesus said that. So, okay. Uh, so uh, now yield yourself. Yield your members. Talk to them sometimes. You serve God. You serve God. You serve God. You serve God. Amen. Verse 20. For when you were the servant of sin, you were free from righteousness. In other words, when you were in sin, righteousness had nothing to do with you. Verse 21, what fruit had you then in those things whereof are now you are shamed? In other words, you were a sinner and you did things that sinners did. And the end of those things he just wants to remind you is death. Verse 22, but now being made free from sin. Say, I'm free from sin. I'm a servant of God, right? You have the fruit unto holiness and the, and the end everlasting life. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I just want you to see that all these things work together. We kind of teach them separate sometimes, but I just want you to see how righteousness even affects our flesh uh, and we, our members can be servants of either sin or servants of righteousness, but until you have a revelation of righteousness, you're not gonna be able to do it on your own.